Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today we have a Katina article. (laughs) What's your article topic? Today, my article is about the importance of trust in virtual teams. So right now, a lot of people are working virtually. So I thought that it would be good to explore one of the key components that potentially matters in working virtually. Perfect. Yeah, I think uh, it's a really relevant topic, um, both with everything that's been going on with coronavirus and then obviously with just people generally working from home more and more. So I'm excited to hear more. Um, Before we dive in, I wanted to make an announcement and we'll put a reminder about this every once in a while in the next few episodes, but you'll hear that Allie, our fabulous podcast producer, we've announced before that she is pregnant and we'll have a beautiful little baby soon. We're very excited, (laughs) but in terms of planning for that, we are um, recording a bunch of episodes in batches so that she can crank out a bunch of podcast episodes for all of you while she's still working before she takes a nice long leave. So just know that as we're talking and we're going through things that are going on, if we're talking about coronavirus and hopefully, you know, in the future things are looking better, then maybe it doesn't make as much sense as to how we feel in the moment in the beginning intros. But um, it's only really because we're recording all of these batch instead of more, more closely to the actual release date. So FYI. Yay. So exciting. I know. I'm very excited for her. Uh, She's going to have the cutest little baby. It's awesome. And while we will uh, miss her as our podcast editor for a period of time while she's gone, we have been encouraging her to uh, take a break because she's so cuckoo and she's just like I can keep editing the podcast I'll be fine (laughs) and we're like you need some rest (laughs) yes agreed she deserves a nice good break and time with baby um so very exciting her uh baby shower is coming up soon actually and it'll be virtual virtual, but (laughs) but it'll be fun so um yeah, it's coming close. It'll be here any day. Well, not any day, a couple months from now, but still. Anyways. That's awesome. Just as an yay, FYI. Yay. But yay. Exciting. There's going to be a little great. worker being podcast baby out there. <laughs> yeah, a little worker baby. <laughs> Doesn't sound as cute because like a worker yeah. baby sound, it sounds mean. A bee baby. <laughs> yeah, a bee baby. A little queen better. bee baby. There we go. Aww, that sounds better <laughs> than a worker baby. Sounds like child labor. <laughs> yes, we don't want child labor. We do not encourage that. Um, train Allie's baby to edit our <laughs> podcast. And then instead of staying up all night crying, you can put our audio files together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that she is going to get very familiar with our voices, probably. More so than uh, than you would expect. Yeah, that's baby. actually really funny. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I'm sure Allie wears headphones, but you know. Yeah. Maybe in my too. in my head, in my in my world right now, the baby's going to be listening to our podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, how are you uh, continuing to do in quarantino? Um, it's OK. 
Uh, let's see. I don't even know what day we're in in terms of like how long this has been happening. <laughs> it's just, it just <laughs> yes. keeps happening. And that's just that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think this episode is going to be airing around the time of my one year anniversary. And I'm still woo, woo. sad about the fact that we don't get to go to Hawaii again. I know. Um, but yeah, so that's a bummer. It is. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I go back and forth. Like, I have moods of feeling, okay, I'm fine at home. And then I have moods of being like, ugh, I can't do this anymore. And I yeah. feel like I'm in a, I can't do this anymore mood today. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like it definitely goes back and forth a lot. And I feel like it's funny because, like, I've been getting together with my college friends. Like, every Friday night we have, like, an hour and a half, like, talk um, on Zoom. And... I feel like each week it like varies according to like who's having like a week they don't want. (laughs) Like every week it's like somebody's like, well, I was bad last week, but this week I'm fine. And then another person's like, this week was bad for me. I'm not happy this week. So I feel like it's like hitting everybody in like different waves. Yeah. I think that's actually been the the hardest part of being in, you know, the stay at home space because you're not around a lot of people. Right. So it's like just mm-hmm. Danny and I and Nittany and all of us, including Nittany, go through different moods about this. Like, yeah, she has gotten annoyed with us being around too much, I think. Um, <laughs> and so she has these moods where she's like, oh, my God, leave me alone. And then I feel like both of us fluctuate in our moods, too. It's like I get you know frustrated with being cooped up and he's like fine that day and then like two days later like he's having like a a breakdown around it and then I'm fine and it's just trying to like yeah it's like trying to be a good partner when the other person is going through the mood when you're like oh I don't want to go down to that mood again right yeah that's true it's true and you're in such a close space it's like everybody's just kind of like It's not like you can really like go like I'm going to go for a walk or a run like you could. But then like, you know, you have to come back eventually. And then everybody's (laughs) just like sitting there again. (laughs) Yeah. Back to the same mood of whatever the mood is of the day. Um, So the days that our moods sync up are much better than the days when our moods are off. That makes sense. That makes sense, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think everybody's just going through waves. Yeah. Definitely. It's a lot. But are you doing okay overall? Yeah, we're doing okay. The weather here has been like super crazy. I was telling you earlier, it's like this like crazy storm today and whatever. Um, And so um, it was kind of funny because last night. So like um, my sleep's been like kind of off um, this like whole time. Like I have trouble falling asleep sometimes and then other times I'm like really like I think because I have trouble falling asleep and then I still get up at the same time then I'll be like really tired the next day but then like I'll go to bed a little earlier and then I like wake up in the middle of the night like I just like I'm having like a weird whatever I'm just like not in my groove um and I feel like also because I'm more in the house like I'm not as tired sometimes and then I'm really tired Mm -hmm. other times because I was awake for too many hours blah blah so anyway my sleep's been weird but um I need to use sleep cast like you told me but um Mm -hmm. Uh, last night it was like this insane storm. It was like all that, like, I don't know. I was sleeping. So I didn't hear the rain like happening. And I guess it was raining hard for a while, but I didn't know. And Brendan was actually having trouble sleeping last night. So he was like up on his phone. So like to him, he's just like 
laying in a quiet room on his phone and like I'm asleep and Donnie was like asleep between us. And um, all of a sudden, like he was aware that it was raining, but I wasn't. This huge thunder just like crashed and like it like shook the whole house. It was like this insane clap of thunder. And the, the dog like immediately woke up and started barking because like <laughs> because it was like a loud sound that almost kind of sounded like an explosion. Like it really didn't sound like thunder. It sounded like something like blew up and like the house was shaking. And because I had been like dead asleep and like like arose to it and the dog was barking, I just went like, ah! <laughs> screamed and Brendan Brendan was like whoa 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 and he's like Donnie's like barking I was like just like went from with my eyes my eyes were closed being dead asleep to just like ah so Brendan wasn't scared by the thunder he was scared by you yes and he like knew like oh I guess and like I'm sure it was like thundering a little bit before that so he's like in a completely different space he's awake he has his phone open he hears it's raining like <laughs> but I just went from like zero to 60. Like Donnie went from zero to 60. And he was like, it's thunder, it's thunder, it's thunder. Like his face was just like, why is everyone, everyone yelling right now? It's just, it's thunder. Oh my God, that's so good. It was like a completely quiet room. And then like one second later, we all were just like, ah! <laughs> at like oh 4 a.m. Oh my God, that's so funny. Oh, oh my I God. felt bad for him. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man that's so good yeah so that was oh. kind of funny um and then this that morning sucks, he was though. just like laughing at me I was like I'm <laughs> sorry I like went from sleeping to screaming <laughs> it happens it happens yeah I guess it does it did to me last night so that's 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 what occurred but yeah so anyway but yeah um it's it's uh other than that I've just been hanging out, getting work done, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm with you with the sleep thing though. I know, uh, I mentioned this before, but like my sleep's been way off during this and yeah. at first I think it was anxiety. And then now I think, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably still anxiety and moods and things like that, that are impacting it. I'm yeah. able to fall asleep. Okay. With the sleep cast, but I do have a tendency of waking up more, but I also am like you said, like I stay up later because I'm not as tired. So I'm trying to like keep adding more and more activity. I feel like I need to do physical things because I think that's right. the problem. It's like, even if you work out at home, it's probably not as hard as you would have worked out elsewhere. Right. You're not like going outside and doing other things that can be tiring. It's like you're just exactly you're physically exactly. not as tired. Exactly. That's what I think, too. So yeah. it's kind of like a weird. It's kind of a strange thing. Yeah, it is very weird. Um, yeah, so I don't know, but Ugh. well, anyways, let's talk yes. about virtual teams. Let's talk about research. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> virtual teams. Okay. So this paper is called, does trust matter more in virtual teams? A meta analysis of trust and team effectiveness, considering virtuality and documentation as moderators. That is such a long title. Okay. <laughs> this um, came out in the Journal of Applied Psychology in 2016, and it's by Brewer, Hoffmeyer, and Hertel. Okay. Um, so virtual teams, meta-analysis. Yes. Okay. yes. That's awesome. I love meta-analyses. Me too. Um, yes. So meta-analysis for people who are 
who haven't heard before, for people who have been listening, I know you already know this, but a meta-analysis is basically when there's a whole bunch of studies that um, have been done on a topic and they basically decide that it's time to push all those studies together and say, okay, if we had one big mega study that was looking at this, what would the results of that study say? So sometimes you can have a study that says two things are related and then you have another study that says they're not and then you have another study that says they're related in a different way. You try to make sense of all these different studies. What's the actual like big picture answer to this? So that's what they did here. They had 52 studies um, and across those studies, there were 12,615 individuals and 1,850 teams. Nice. Um, yeah, so it was a nice big sample. And um, what they were interested in looking at is team trust. So trust itself is the idea that you have to be willing to be vulnerable to somebody else because you expect that the other person is going to do what they said they're going to do or follow through on something, even if you're not able to be present or um, have some control over whether or not they do it. So that's like a general idea of when two people trust each other, I'm going to make myself vulnerable to another person because I'm going to say you're supposed to follow through on something and I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to trust that you're going to do it, not to use the definition in the definition, but that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Team trust is different because instead of me putting my faith in one person, I am actually saying I trust that this group is going to be able to follow through on what they're supposed to follow through on, even if I'm not able to monitor their behavior. So team trust is the shared willingness of team members to be vulnerable to the actions of other team members based on the shared expectation that all of the other team members are going to perform what they're supposed to do to, to get done things that are important to the whole team, regardless of whether or not you're able to be physically present or watching what team members are doing. So it's the same thing, but just a little bit more risky because there are more components to the equation. Because there are more people, there's more stuff going on when there's more people, right? Yes. So that's kind of what you're talking about? Yes. Why it's more risky? Exactly. Yes. Um, and that's why uh, team effectiveness is particularly impacted by trust because as this article explains and why other articles have thought that that's true is because these uh, team members have to basically continue taking risks on each other. And as they continue to take risks on each other, they learn more about how to coordinate and cooperate. And then you basically get into a pattern of being able to rely on other people. So um, the idea is that you have to start off by taking these risk-taking behaviors to sort of show people that you trust them. And then over time, and you as you get into those patterns of being able to rely on one another to follow through, that trust becomes stronger and stronger because you know that if you do A, the next person's going to do B, and you don't question it anymore as time goes on. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So you have to, I mean, it, make, it makes a lot of sense, right? You have to be able to trust your team members if you're working on something together. Um, I just think about like an easy example for so many people is like a class project. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a group that comes together very quickly and you have to immediately trust that people are going to be doing their part because you don't really have time to <laughs> figure it out. Right, right. Um, so there's like this component of risk right up front because you never know. There might be a student that's just not going to do their piece and then you're going to be scrambling at the end. But there's really no other way around it from a team perspective is you have to go in and trust because you can't be monitoring everybody's 
you know, work and tasks and what they're doing at all times, especially when there's a big team and especially if they're distributed in different places. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And so they're talking about sort of two main processes that um, sort of facilitate a lot of things in teams, which are cooperation and coordination. So cooperation is a process where individuals kind of interact and form relationships with each other um, because they know that they'll, you know, you get something from me, I get something from you, kind of like a social exchange model. Like there are other ways of thinking about cooperation, like just to add um, outside of this article that aren't so like, I'm doing this because I know eventually you'll do something for me. Like people do, as we've talked about before on the podcast, like do things for purely altruistic reasons. I'll help someone on my team because they need help and I don't know when they're going to help me, you know, like, but, but generally the way that cooperation is thought about is actually sort of like a selfish perspective. Like I'm going to do something for you so that you do something for me, but we can both count on the fact that if I do something for you, I'm going to get something back. And that's sort of the definition of cooperation. And then coordination is the idea that, you can sort of orchestrate the sequence that things go in and the timing that things work within so that if we work backwards from a deadline, we know what we need to do and when in order to get things done. So those are sort of the two main um, processes that need to happen in order for teams to be um, effective, but that requires you to take a lot of risks on other people initially, particularly, um, because you have to learn whether or not you're able to coordinate. You have to learn whether or not you're able to rely on people to cooperate. And so, um, especially early on, um, it's important to set those norms. And so it requires people to take these sort of these chances on one another in a team setting. Mm -hmm. So they're taking the chance that if we've decided, okay, we're getting back from the project, we're coordinating, we've created a plan, we know how we're going to tackle it, and then we're all cooperating, meaning we're each taking different pieces of that work, and we're going to, you know, do it because other people are going to contribute to other parts, and then we're going to all be able to be, you know, performing well or whatever the outcome is, and that's why I want to cooperate with other people because I'm going to get back some positives, some work being done, some projects being completed, some good performance from my leader, whatever that is. Um but before I can do any of those things, I have to just trust. I have to go into this team when I first get there and trust that all those things are going to work. Exactly. Exactly. And then if you're willing to do that and you actually take that risk over time, if the team is, you know, reliable, then what ends up happening is your trust continues to grow. And as your trust continues to grow, what they're hypothesizing in this paper is that outcomes associated with the team's effectiveness grow as a result. So, you know, I I decide that I'm going to start this process. I'm going to uh, take a risk and begin cooperating with people. I'm going to sort of rely on the fact that we're going to get this coordination done. And basically, because of team trust building um, over that process, team trust becomes positively related with a lot of things because you could imagine if I do that and then it works out, and my trust continues to grow, other things that are good for the team will continue to grow as well. So the main um, like parts of this paper that they looked at before we get into the virtual part were just team trust and what it relates to in teams. So team trust, um, and I'll just give you this piece of it from a results perspective, because this is how they set it up, but it's related to everything. So um, it's fine for me to say that. Um, so, <laughs> so 
Uh, team trust is positively related to team attitudes, like people being satisfied with their team, being committed to their team, thinking that the team is cohesive, and feeling like they want to put effort into the team. So the first thing is, as you're more trusting of your team, your attitudes with the team go up. You're happier to be there. You're more committed to it. You see yourself as one unit and you're more willing to sort of want to put the effort in to do a good job for your other teammates. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Um, Team trust is also related to um, information processing, like whether or not people share knowledge. So you had that um, episode a little while ago on knowledge sharing. Uh, When trust is higher in teams, people are more likely to freely share information with each other. And the team is also more likely to learn stuff as a group as opposed to um, sort of holding on to or hoarding information. So that is also important. And then teams are better performers when the trust level is high. So there are a lot of really, really good things related to trust in teams. So that sort of sets us up just to say that, yes, studying trust in teams is actually important because it has a lot to do with a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So if I trust my team and my team trusts me and we all have a great relationship, then obviously I'm going to be happier um, and I'm going to be more committed and we're going to do better and perform better. So it's kind of the win-win-win, right? You're a happy, productive little team. Yes, Exactly. So the sort of takeaway for this period of time when a lot more people are working virtually, and this might be particularly important, is that because virtual environments come with even greater risks, so it might be a little bit harder to understand whether or not you can rely on someone because you don't have as much face-to-face interaction with them, or you might be afraid that like communications will get lost or your intentions will be misread or someone else's intentions will be misread or uh, people won't get a good enough sense of what kind of an employee you are. Um, Like all of these um, sort of fears that you might have about whether or not you can um, trust your teammates or whether they're going to feel that you, they can trust you are sort of heightened under virtual um, circumstances. So Like I said, you can think about that with like, okay, now we're communicating virtually. Maybe I might fear that I'll get like more delayed responses or I have less, even less control, I feel like, over whether or not my coworkers get stuff done because I can't like pop into their office and be like, hey, are you finished with that? You know what I mean? Like, um, so people are feeling like there's a greater risk of like being misunderstood or uh, conflicts arising, things of that nature under virtuality. So the risks of trust are higher um, in those kinds of environments. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, In this situation that we're in today as a society with coronavirus and staying at home, you know, hopefully if you were in an office, you already knew your team to some degree, right? And then are shifting. So maybe it's not quite as challenging, but you never know. But I think that there's a lot here for... I mean, if you're in a virtual team for the first time, maybe you are doing a new project because now the company is asking for some additional things or something different. You're pivoting because of this crisis and now you're putting in some project work with a team that you've not been as familiar with and you haven't been in the office with as much. I mean, this is super relevant because I'm sure that there's some fear and there's fear in general right now. And then in addition to that is, uh, you know, these people haven't worked from home either. I don't know how, how good they are. I don't know if they're going to get their stuff done. And um, 
then people might be worried too about other work from home challenges like kids being at home and things like that. And so there's probably heightened stress um, Mm -hmm. going into a team relationship. But even outside of everything that's going on right now, like, you know, I started my job with Infor and I've always been a remote employee. So everything I've done with my team members has pretty much been virtual. I went in for a few weeks of training, so I did get to know some people, but it wasn't like I was doing tasks work at that time. And so it's really interesting when you have a pretty remote team to see how that trust builds without ever working in the same place ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I feel like it's very relevant and I do, th- and I'll be curious to see what you say, but I feel like it almost makes, once it works out, it's almost like you trust that person even more than maybe you would otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thought. So basically what they find is that team trust is even more strongly predictive of performance in virtual teams than in face-to-face teams. So Mm -hmm. once you build that trust, it actually matters even more in predicting your your performance than it would in face-to-face teams. So not only is it important to build trust, but it's like especially important to build trust in virtual teams because without that trust, your performance takes an even greater hit than it would otherwise. And that makes sense because if you're not there, like you mentioned, you can't pop in and see, oh, shoot, Joe is clearly not getting his stuff done. I can tell that he's, you know, distracted by whatever. So maybe I need to step up and, you know, get in there and do something that he was supposed to do so that we can get to what we the ultimate goal or the end of the project or whatever we're looking for to impact the performance. But if I'm not doing that, if I'm virtual, then I'm just dependent on hearing from them. I mean, you can ping and IM people only so much, but you don't really get any visual cues. You don't really know. Like they can just say they're working on it. And that's it. Right. Um, right. So if you trust your team members and they trust you. So if everyone's trusting each other, I feel like you're going to have a stronger uh, connection to get it done versus kind of being able to compensate for that trust a bit if you're in person with other things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I guess one of the things to think about in this context is if you're working on a virtual team now and you weren't before, even though it might seem like everything's crazy right now and nobody has time something that's really, really important is cultivating that trust. So talking about how you like to work, what kinds of patterns work for you, um, even doing like team building exercises or having people talk about like, you know, setting like ground rules for their collaborations together, things like that. Like all those things of sort of ensuring that you're setting norms and making it most likely that when people put their trust in other people, they're going to follow through that's actually a really good use of time. So like, even though it might seem like a pain to kind of slow down and sort of reorient yourselves, that could make a bigger difference in a virtual environment than otherwise. So even if you know each other and you've operated in a face-to-face environment, it might be good to do like an extra reinforcer of trust at this time when you're going virtual just to make sure that those same expectations are still there and that people still feel similarly that they can rely on each other. Because if you don't do that, the hit is actually stronger. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I think as a team member too, you can prove that you are trustworthy, you know, show that you're getting things done on time, show that you're getting, you you know, holding up your end of the bargain, right? And people, most of the time, most people will fall into line, right? Because if you're doing everything and they're starting to slack or they're starting to, you know, not get as much done or they're not doing the things they're supposed to be doing, if you're doing it, people tend to feel guilty, Um, Yeah. And might step up. So like you want to show that they can trust you, then that will help them understand that they need to do their piece because you're going to follow through. So you are doing something for them. So they need to follow up and do the same for you. Um, So I think that's a big piece, too, is not only building that trust and doing these team building exercises and setting those expectations, being very clear, but making sure you're holding up your end of the bargain and don't let your nerves and your concerns around trusting your teammates um, hinder your contribution um, because then it's just going to keep making things worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I think those are all really good points that help to um, underline the importance of sort of getting those wheels turning around ensuring that you are trusting your team and not letting yourself get held back, but also that if you have some influence over, you know, making sure that people know they can trust you or uh, making the team go through some kind of exercise where you set those expectations or clarify those expectations, that can be super helpful. Um, One other thing that is interesting about this article is that in addition to the team being virtual, there was another factor that they found strengthened the relationship between trust and outcomes. So basically the idea that trust is even more important under these circumstances. And that's when you're working in a virtual environment that has low levels of documentation. So what they mean by that is, do emails get archived for a long time? Do chat history logs get saved? Uh, Do people save recordings of video conferences? Do you use like Slack, where all of your actions and activities are sort of documented for the team? If you have some of those technologies in place where people feel like their contributions are clearly documented, trust is not as important in a virtual environment because people feel like, well, at least everybody knows the parts that I did. It's clear what parts I did. Um, And so I don't need to build the trust as strongly in order for the team to be effective because there's these other mechanisms that are sort of making up for that. But if you don't use those kinds of technologies or that's not necessarily something that you have access to or a norm in your company, trust is even more important. So if you're working virtually on it, on its own, that has an impact on making trust extra important. But particularly if you're working virtually and you're not in an environment where you have a clear way of keeping track of people's contributions um, or there's not like a clear way that people could dig through and figure out what those contributions are and highlight them to other people without breaking a norm, then trust is even more important. That makes so much sense. I'm just thinking about my own experience because we recently have moved from Skype to Microsoft Teams Mm -hmm. and Skype does not track your conversations, right? Like if I close out the window, it's gone forever. But in Teams, it's Teams is more like Slack for people that haven't used it, where, you know, I can put files in and everyone can see who edited what and everyone can see the full conversation. Like, whatever I sent you the first day I started using Teams is going to be there forever. Mm -hmm. And so I can go back. I mean, it's great for me because sometimes I forget to write things down. Um, And I'll be like, oh, I knew I was supposed to do something with that client, but then I forgot the exact thing and then I have to go back into... um, Right. 
something, try to find out what I had to, or just ask the person usually is what I do. But now I don't even have to ask them because it's in there. So I can just yeah. go back and find it. Um, yes. So I totally get that because that does kind of, well, one, it creates accountability. Like if I said I was going to do something and someone can point to the fact that I said it, here you go. You said it here right. at this time at this day. Then, well, I can't really dispute that. Um so that creates additional accountability for me. And therefore, the person doesn't have to trust me as much because they can say, hey, Patricia, you said this here. You were supposed to do this now. I did what I needed to do. I checked up on you. But the fact that this didn't get done is your fault, not mine. And so right. there's kind of an easier way to separate yourself from any problems that happen. So, mm-hmm. But with Skype, you know, somebody could have told me something and then I forgot to write it down. And then I never followed up on it. And then... Literally, there's no documentation or tracking of it at, at all. Like I used to hate using Skype because I wanted people just to email me because I thought it was so much easier to go back to the email and find out right. what it was that we had talked about. Um, because in Skype, I had to just, I just kept windows open. I had so many windows open because I was nervous about losing things that people had said. And but the people, obviously, the people on the other end just trusted. Okay, I'll tell her what I need, and then we'll just get out of this conversation, and then it'll just be done. They, there was more trust. Right. I'm not saying the trust has gone away from my team members, but I do think that the need for trust is probably a little bit less important because now we can always go back and see versus just assuming that you'll take my word for things. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of what they're pointing out is like, okay, if you're moving to a virtual platform and you're not, I mean, especially in a situation like this, right, where a lot of people are not used to and maybe haven't built up the, you know, resources to manage, they might not have all these like virtual, you know, things that help people to coordinate without being face-to-face. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where you're suddenly working from home and now you don't have those kinds of technologies that are documenting um, your contributions and your virtual, that means that you need to do even more to remind team members about the importance of trust, to build that trust, and to set aside dedicated time to kind of set expectations, commit to the team, show your commitment to the team. Um, So that is a situation where it's particularly important. And I think if you're in that situation too, you can try to think of ways to document when you don't have the tools that support it the same way. Yeah. So like if you were me with Skype and email, like if I needed someone to remind me of something or if I wanted them to tell me exactly what they needed in an email, I would just say in the Skype, like, hey, send me an email so that I have this in my list. It'll be easier that way. And maybe that's what you need to do. You have a a conversation with somebody and then you send up a follow-up email with you know, exactly what you discussed. And that way you have some documentation. And so maybe if there is a situation where there isn't as much trust or mm-hmm. you don't have the time to build the trust, or um, maybe you're working with someone that you just, for whatever reason, the trust is difficult to come by in that case, you can try adding the documentation to at least help um, reduce the impact on performance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a I think that's a great idea. And especially if you share it, you know, more team wide that there's Mm -hmm. sort of like a, you know, homegrown way of doing it if you don't have formal access to it. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, So, yeah, if you are on a virtual team and you don't have anything documenting what your contributions are, then now is the time to set aside some time, even though things might feel a little crazy 
to connect with your teammates and set expectations for follow through, make sure that everybody knows each other's intentions, reaffirm your commitment to the team and to doing well for the team. And I think that also has to do with setting realistic expectations, right? Because, you know, this is a stressful time period. And so if we're talking about like how this relates specifically to right now, you know, mm-hmm. it, that doesn't mean that you need to say like, I'll be there at every hour of the night, day, whatever. That's not what it means. It just means that if I say that, you know, I need something from you, can we come to a conclusion about when's reasonable for you to get it to me? And when that time comes, you'll actually follow through with that, right? So it's not about needing to like eat, breathe and sleep your team. It's more (laughs) about, you know, can you be relied upon? Can others be relied upon to do what they're supposed to do to let the team hit its goals? Um, And so I think at this point in time, particularly, uh, realistic expectations might be the name of the game. Yeah, I agree. Being realistic about what can be done and, you know, for yourself and for others and understanding that sometimes things are not going to get done as quickly right now um, because of what's going on. So that's okay. Giving yourselves both the space and the, um, forgiveness when that happens. And I think that is really important. And when it comes to trust, I mean, just thinking about trust in any relationship, people are going to screw up. And you have to be able to come back from that. And I think this is a really good time to just add a little bit of room for forgiveness when that does happen or Mm -hmm. setting expectations that, like you said, are much more realistic um, so that the team can continue to function and perform as needed moving forward without getting completely halted um, in the trust arena because of something that happened due to the current crisis that we're in. So I think that's really important too. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So a pretty straightforward article, but I think some pretty helpful practical tips for the time period we're in. I agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. We love to hear from all of you now. If you have some interesting experiences about virtual teams, want to chat, you can reach us at our website at workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. And you can find us on social media on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at workerbeing. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. 